Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. This is our last week until I uh, take off for uh, two weeks in a row. And so I hope you'll stick with us this week. A lot's already happening. I happen to be a big fan of Bill Barr. It was just announced that he will be stepping down, I believe, on Christmas. This is the second time he's become Attorney General. And I think he's been a terrific Attorney General. I really do. People don't understand that an Attorney General cannot announce an ongoing investigation. If he does, he's committed a felony. He's obstructed justice. It's that simple. We may not want it that way, but it is that way. It is that way. So he was not going to reveal information that was going on in front of a grand jury because that would be a crime. And so he couldn't make an announcement. It is a problem. Maybe that law needs to be changed, the 6E law, particularly as it relates to a presidential election. But Barr couldn't change it. And I think he fought hard for justice. I think he fought hard for the rule of law. And I think he fought hard for the president, which are the requirements of an attorney general. When you compare his tenure to Jeff Sessions, you can understand what I mean. The way he confronted Mueller in the Mueller report. And what they tried to do to Bill Barr, including hold him in contempt. You remember that hearing in front of the House Judiciary Committee, remember? So I will not be counted among those who trash Attorney General Barr. I happen to think he did a fantastic job. And there's few others who could have withstood the attacks that he did, just like the president. There's few others that could withstand the attacks against him. And I'm going to read you a letter that Attorney General Barr submitted to the President of the United States, and you'll see what a class act he is, as is the president. 
And of course, the media, anonymous sources, was talking about how they hate each other. Clearly, they don't. The president issued a very positive tweet, about 30 minutes or so, give or take. And he also attached the attorney general's letter. And when I've seen these two men together, just so you know, and I have on several occasions, they seem to truly like each other and respect each other. And I also happen to know that Bill Barr decided to come back into the Justice Department a second time as Attorney General because he was very concerned about the way the President and the administration was being treated. He's a very wealthy man. He didn't have to come back and deal with any of this, but he chose to. So put the spin doctors away. Put the anonymous sources away. I want to read you the letter from the Attorney General to the President. Dear Mr. President, I appreciate the opportunity to update you this afternoon on the Department's review of voter fraud allegations in the 2020 election and how these allegations will continue to be pursued. At a time when the country is so deeply divided, it is incumbent on all levels of government and all agencies acting within their purview to do all we can to assure the integrity of elections and promote public confidence in their outcome. I am greatly honored that you called on me to serve your administration and the American people once again as Attorney General. I am proud to have played a role in the many successes and unprecedented achievements you have delivered for the American people. Your record is all the more historic because you accomplished it in the face of relentless, implacable resistance. Your 2016 victory speech in which you reached out to your opponents and called for working together for the benefit of the American people was immediately met by a partisan onslaught against you in which no tactic, no matter how abusive and deceitful, was out of bounds. The nadir of this campaign was the effort to cripple, if not oust your administration, with frenzied and baseless accusations of collusion with Russia. Few could have weathered these att- <coughs> excuse me, attacks, much less forge ahead with a positive program for the country. You built the strongest and most resilient economy in American history, one that has brought unprecedented progress to those previously left out. You have restored American military strength. By brokering historic peace deals in the Middle East, you have achieved what most thought impossible. You have curbed illegal immigration and enhanced the security of our nation's borders. You have advanced the rule of law by appointing a record number of judges committed to constitutional principles. And with Operation Warp Speed, you delivered a vaccine for coronavirus on a schedule no one thought conceivable, a feat that will undoubtedly save millions of lives. During your administration, the Department of Justice has worked tirelessly to protect the public from violent crime, worked closely with leaders in Mexico to fight the drug cartels, cracked down on China's exploitation of our economy and workers, defended competition in the marketplace, especially the technology sector, and supported the men and women of law enforcement who selflessly and often thanklessly, risk their lives to keep our communities safe. As discussed, I will spend the next week wrapping up a few remaining matters important to the administration and depart on December 23rd. Wishing you, Melania, and your family a Merry Christmas and a blessed holiday season. God bless. Sincerely, William P. Barr. What a class act. And I, for one, am thankful he was the Attorney General for the remaining years of the President's at least first term. Yeah, he was a class act, and he is a class act. And uh, 
I consider him a friend. Even though we're not bosom buddies, I consider him a friend and I admire him a great deal. And so that is that. And by the way, because of that letter, he will now be attacked by the media. He will now be attacked by the pseudo-conservatives. He will now be attacked by the never-Trumpers. He could have done what the others do, Mattis and Kelly and Bolton and so forth, and started trashing the president of the United States. He didn't do any of that because he's a class act. He understands the problems going on in this country. I'm going to read something to you. I went on the website of the National Archives. Now, why does that matter? Because the National Archives is involved in the Electoral College process. Did you know that? The archivist of the United States collects the electors' votes. And then he or she turns those votes over a joint session of Congress. Here's the process that not a single newsroom has shared with you. December 8, which has passed, of course, states are typically resolving controversies. They make final decisions over the appointment of their electors six days before the meeting of the electors, and so the electoral votes will be presumed valid when presented to Congress. This is why you saw these lawsuits, and it was absolutely unconscionable, and I'm going to get into this deeply today, for these courts to do what they did dismiss one after another, particularly the constitutional challenges, and that's what I'm going to focus on. December 14th, today, the electors meet in their respective states and vote for president or vice president on separate ballots. The electors record their votes on six certificates of vote, which are paired with the six remaining certificates of ascertainment. The electors sign, seal, and certify six sets of electoral votes. A set of electoral votes consists of one certificate of ascertainment and one certificate of vote. That's in the weeds, I'm just telling you. December 23, electoral votes arrive. Electoral votes, called the certificates of vote, must be received by the president of the Senate and the archivist no later than nine days after the meeting of the electors. If votes are lost or delayed, the archivist may take extraordinary measures to retrieve duplicate originals. On or before January 3, 2021, the archivist transfers certificates to Congress. As the new Congress assembles on January 3rd, the archivist transmits sets of certificates to Congress. This generally happens when the Senate does not receive its set of certificates on time. Now here's the key date. January 6th is the key date. Not today. And you're not going to hear this anywhere else. I'm not trying to give you false hope. I'm not trying to give you anything. Here's the fact. Congress meets in joint session to count the electoral votes. The vice president, as president of the Senate, presides over the count and announces the results of the electoral college vote. The president of the Senate, who is the vice president, then declares which persons, if any, have been elected president and vice president of the United States. If any objections to the electoral votes are made, they must be submitted in writing and be signed by at least one member of the House and one senator. If objections are presented, the House and Senate withdraw to the respective chambers to consider the merits of the objections under procedures set out by federal law. If no presidential candidate wins at least 270 electoral votes, a majority of the 538, under the 12th Amendment to the Constitution, the House of Representatives decides the presidential election. 
If necessary, the House would elect the president by majority vote, choosing from among three candidates who received the greatest number of electoral votes. The vote would be taken by the the, uh, state, which each state having one vote. So in other words, what would happen in the House is each delegation gets one vote. The point being there's a majority Republican delegations. If no vice presidential candidate wins at least 270 electoral votes under the 12th Amendment, the Senate elects the vice president. If necessary, the Senate would elect the vice president by majority vote, each senator having one vote. Now, as this process goes on, it does become harder and harder and harder to reverse course. But the final step is on January 6th. January 6th. Now, Pennsylvania and Georgia, the Republicans in those states have set, have sent alternative votes, or are, to the archivist of the United States. The Democrat electors have met And they have voted that Joe Biden won their electoral votes. And that will be sent to the archivist of the United States. However, the Republican Party electors have decided at the request of the White House that they're going to send their votes and their electors also to the archivist of the United States. So now you have a set of electors sent by Pennsylvania from the Republicans and a set of electors sent by Georgia. The Michigan Republicans were going to do exactly the same thing, but the fascistic governor there literally had state troopers block the legislative entry so the electors couldn't meet the Republican electors to send their electors to the archivist. I suppose they could meet somewhere else. So she wants to decide the whole thing rather than Congress. I want to take you back to a little history lesson. 1960. I'm telling you, that's why I'm telling you. You should listen to this because you're not going to hear it anywhere else. You're just going to hear the same. New state's electoral votes went to Nixon first and then to Kennedy. This is a piece, November 18, 2000. 2000 in the Honolulu Star Bulletin editorial. The 1960 race here in the islands, the first election Hawaii faced as a state, made electoral college history. When Hawaii elected one president, then reversed itself during a bitter recount, forcing two different sets of electoral delegates to cast votes. In 1960, the electoral college consisted of 537 members, of which Hawaii had three. The majority to win then was 269. The initial results of the November 8 election showed Vice President Richard Nixon with 141 votes ahead of John Kennedy in Hawaii. 141 votes. And so the new state's three electoral votes were officially cast with Nixon. But the Democrats didn't give up. The Hawaii vote was so close that a recount was inevitable. Both parties made charges of voter fraud, although a court investigation later showed no evidence of tampering. Electors nationwide were scheduled to cast their ballots on December 19 that year, But the Hawaii recount was still underway when that date approached. Hawaii's Republican electors cast votes that day for Nixon. And one minute later, Democratic electors cast their three votes for Kennedy. Although the Hawaii Attorney General's office declared that the only official electoral votes would go to Nixon, 
and that the Hawaii recount itself would need a recount if results show Kennedy ahead. Governor William Quinn, a Republican, notified Congress that Hawaii's votes were Republican. The recount was completed by Christmas, December 25th, and showed Kennedy carrying Hawaii by 115 votes. Notice how they always find votes. The circuit court ruled that Hawaii's three electoral votes should go to the Democrats, but the governor's office waffled on making the notification. By the time it was decided a new certificate was necessary, only two days remained before Congress convening on January 6th. A letter to Congress saying a certificate was on the way. It arrived. Both sets of electors were sent. And they chose the Kennedy electors. I'll explain more about this when I return. Mark Lovin. As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without any government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit Levin for Hillsdale. Hillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. We only have a minute, so we'll listen a little bit. When we come back, I want to talk about the grave, and I mean grave, failures of the United States Supreme Courts and our judiciary. How they let down the American people. How they undermined a very simple clause of the United States Constitution. Whether it's Pennsylvania or Georgia or Michigan or a number of other states that unconstitutionally changed their voting requirements and their election rules. The U.S. Supreme Court refused to do its job and defend the United States Constitution. And I want to delve into this in more detail when we return. As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting 
promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without any government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. America's most powerful conservative voice, The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. All right. Let's get down to business. Smartest audience of audiences anywhere. Probably know this by memory. Article 2. Of your Constitution, Section section 1, Clause 2. It's in plain English, so even John Roberts and Sotomayor and Breyer, Kagan, and the others can understand it. I don't know how much more clearly the framers of the Constitution could have been. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress. So you add up the number of senators and members of the House for purposes of the Electoral College, that's how many votes they have. Now, what is the purpose of the Electoral College? Does anybody know? Yes, we know. They will count the votes. They will determine if the votes are proper, that is Congress, and then they will confirm or not the President and Vice President of the United States. What is perplexing to me is the incoherence and intentional misleading, perhaps, of we the people by they the media, by rhinos, by Democrats, and all the rest of the reprobates. There's an electoral college for a reason. Jake Tapper won't understand this. In fact, I don't think virtually anybody in newsrooms understand this or care to understand it. Our presidents are not chosen by the popular vote. They're chosen by an electoral college, and then they're checked by the new Congress. There was a great fear early in our republic about two kinds of tyranny, the mob and the monarchy. The mob, pure democracy, the monarchy, centralized, iron-fisted government. The framers of the Constitution were enlightened men, and they debated hard how this Constitution should be constructed. This electoral college was one of the issues that took up most of their time. That in the office of the presidency. The nature of the judiciary in the Supreme Court took up almost none of their time. Because they figured, they figured it wouldn't figure that big into our system. But it has, of course. The Democrats have made it clear they want to remove the Electoral College. Short of removing it, that is, short of getting an amendment to remove it, they are destroying it. 
state by state. But in order to destroy it state by state, you got to get around the state legislatures. This past election in Pennsylvania, in Georgia, in Michigan, and in other key states, that's exactly what the Democrats did. How did they do it? They went into these states and they identified who their friends were and who their enemies were. Stacey Abrams in Georgia brings a lawsuit, as do a number of her surrogates. Not because they believe in good government, it's because they believe in the Democrat Party. So they try and change the rules to advantage them. Not to prevent fraud, but to enshrine it. Why in the world would you weaken the signature requirement in Georgia unless your purpose is to ensure that people vote who shouldn't be voting? So they institutionalized fraud. Votes that previously, that is, before the consent decree, would have been cast the way they were cast after the consent decree, would have been fraud. They would have been rejected. This election they recounted. This is why the President of the United States is so furious with the governor of Georgia who can call an emergency session, bring in the Republican legislature, and put that requirement back that Stacey Abrams and the Secretary of State removed unconstitutionally. And there's not a damn court in the country that wants to hear that case. Not one. Why? Pennsylvania was even worse. Putting aside the unbelievable violations of their own state constitution by the state legislature, failing to amend their constitution for the mail-in vote, putting that aside as a secondary issue at this point, for the argument I'm making, the governor, the secretary of state, and the Democrats on the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania elected changed the election laws. Are any of them part of the legislature? Not one of them. They eliminated signatures. They eliminated signature comparisons. They eliminated postal dates. They extended the voting time and more. They eliminated effectively the ability of Republicans to observe counts in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Philadelphia being one of the most corrupt cities on the face of the earth. Why did they do that? Because they wanted, they wanted ballots to be counted that previously were not counted. But they clearly violated Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the United States Constitution. That's two states. Same things happened in Michigan and other states. And the United States Supreme Court would not take it up. They wouldn't take it up. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct. The legislature sets the election laws. The legislature, and only, solely, unequivocally, the legislature determines how elections are to be held. The legislature determines how electors are to be chosen, even whether there's an election or not. The legislature decides, but no longer. No longer. By not acting, the United States Supreme Court acted. By counting the electors that the Democrats are presenting 
as part of the Electoral College, the Archivist of the United States, and the Congress of the United States on January 6th. There no longer is an Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution. The Supreme Court just eliminated it because of the Democrats. They eliminated it in Pennsylvania. They eliminated it in Georgia. They eliminated it in Michigan. They eliminated it in Nevada and Arizona and Wisconsin. Because they don't want to disenfranchise people. Those votes were illegal and unconstitutional until these so-called public officials took their unconstitutional actions. So now they're counted, and now we can't disenfranchise votes that months ago would never have been counted. No, by all means. And then we play this game. Fraud. Let's find the fraud. Now there's tons of fraud out there. But this case was presented to the United States Supreme Court. A straightforward, flat-out, federal constitutional question, federal constitutional case. And they wouldn't take it. They wouldn't take it. A friend of mine, as I was walking, Marty, our dog, comes up to me. He's not a lawyer. He says, what's the point of a Supreme Court if they can't even stand up to this? And we know this court and the other courts, for instance, we have these judges, including on the Supreme Court and elsewhere, they take illegal, unconstitutional acts like DACA that was created by Obama, clearly, illegally, writing legislation from the Oval Office and through his agencies. They come up with a cockamamie argument thanks to the Chief Justice of the United States, about the Administrative Procedures Act. Now we have a federal judge that directs the President of the United States to institute DACA, directing the President of the United States to institute an unconstitutional act that was never passed by Congress. That's okay. Massachusetts versus EPA, as I talked about. When was that, 2005 or 6 or 7? There the Supreme Court gives standing to a state that has no standing. Because they like the outcome, five to four. They want carbon dioxide to be a pollutant. Even though any third grader that's taken a basic science class knows it's not. But it didn't matter. Standing was conferred on somebody that didn't have it. Texas brings a case, oh, you don't have standing. Even though specifically in the Constitution it says, when you have a conflict of the states, it's original jurisdiction. While not in this Supreme Court, it's not. You have repeated violations of Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the United States Constitution that says only the state legislatures can, uh, can make the law when it comes to elections and selecting electors. How many more briefs does the damn Supreme Court need? But they ducked. And now you have the same disgusting, unconscionable, putrid left-wing Democrats dressed up as journalists, going on and on about how Trump is a poor loser. He needs to, to quote the Al Gore, the big one, give up the ghost. We have legal analysts at National Review and on TV digging into the, to the niceties of footnotes in the, in the litigation, 
to show how smart they are when they don't even pick up the damn Constitution and read it. You know why the Supreme Court wouldn't take up this case? They didn't take up this case because three of the justices, make it four, including the Chief Justice of the United States, wanted the result. Roberts despises Trump. And the three Democrats on the court, they do whatever the hell they want and they pretend it's constitutional. Who else? Gorsuch is a gutless wonder. Kavanaugh, who you fought for, gutless wonder. Next election. What do you think the Democrats and the left are going to do in these states? This is now the new baseline. They're going to determine what they need to win the states, and they'll make the changes. And the Supreme Court's now created the precedent. Our doors are locked. They are locked. Don't you damn come here with an Article 2 claim. We want nothing to do with you. So one of the most vital aspects of our Republican system which the framers of the Constitution spent days debating to protect the country from the mob and the monarchy is gone. Thanks to the justices of the Supreme Court. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without any government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit Levin for Hillsdale. Hillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. There's a great piece at the Blaze by our friend Daniel Horowitz. We finally discovered an instance in which the courts will enforce requirements for standing and refuse to adjudicate broadly political questions. Now it's time for conservatives to treat every court decision that violates rules of standing and the principle of federalism as null and void. Will all these principled conservatives who are cheering the court's decision in Texas lawsuit stand with us in opposing judicial supremacism in all its forms? Recent years, the federal courts have waded into every political issue imaginable. They prevented states from enforcing federal immigration law we not only greenlighting states to criminalize federal law, but preventing the federal government from cutting off funding to sanctuary cities. They have prevented states from defining marriage, upholding basic sexuality, or placing common-sense health regulations on abortion clinics. 
They prevented states from cleaning out homeless encampments and from simply declining to fund castration surgery in prison or through Medicaid funding. They've also prevented states from requiring able-bodied Medicaid recipients to even attempt to seek employment. For a while, it appeared there was nothing a state or even the feds could do without a federal court violating the rules of standing to give some straw man third-party organization, often on behalf of illegal aliens, standing to sue to overturn an outcome of a fundamentally political issue and decide it with finality. Those same courts have no problem when states thumb their noses at federal immigration law or when they violate every individual right known to man in under the guise of fighting the coronavirus. In other words, these judges believe in states' rights when the outcome benefits the left, and they believe in a strong federal government with final court adjudication when it benefits the left. They believe in protecting rights, so-called, when they are invented, but not real rights spelled out in the Constitution. Heads the left wins, tails we lose. There's one problem. The only reason we are in the position we are today with a broken election system full of mail-in ballots and ballot harvesting is precisely because the federal courts officiously commandeered state election laws for the past generation. Yes, the federal courts have butted into every state decision on election law, except those interventions were okay because they benefited Democrats. Republicans have controlled many key state governments in Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Wisconsin, and Michigan from 2010 to 2018, and passed voter integrity laws or enforced existing ones during those years. Every step of the way, federal courts gave standing to strawmen plaintiffs to block every election integrity measure imaginable. In fact, to this day, Democrats hold the governorship in North Carolina solely because of ballot harvesting that is prohibited under state law, but forced upon them by the federal Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. To this day, photo ID is not required in North Carolina, despite conservatives working hard to enact it into law. The same Fourth Circuit gutted it. Democrats also hold two extra House seats, thanks to the Fourth Circuit destroying the election map. Likewise in Arizona, Republicans have controlled state government for as far as one can remember. But over the past generation, nearly every voter integrity law has been thrown out by the Ninth Federal Circuit, often in cases where the laws at issue were approved by ballot initiative with overwhelming support. And the Supreme Court has sided with the wayward lower court most of the time. Every time Arizona has tried to stem the tide of illegal aliens, the courts have come after the state. This has created a cascading effect of illegal aliens being able to remain in large urban areas and be counted in the census. Numerous pieces of federal legislation have been passed by a margin that is entirely garnered through counting of illegal aliens in the census. How is that lawful? The entire premise and precedent for the current electoral model that Democrats abused this year was created wholesale by the lower federal courts that the pathetic Supreme Court has failed to police. Specifically in this election, the League of Women Voters sued in federal court to have Pennsylvania's signature validation process on mail-in ballots countermanded. As a result of that federal lawsuit, the Pennsylvania Secretary of State made a settlement that unilaterally gutted state law, allowing hundreds of thousands of extra ballots to be counted without proper verification which is likely why the rejection rate this year for mail-in ballots was implausibly low. Similar settlement resulting from a federal lawsuit took place in Georgia as well. As always, the federal courts tampered with every aspect of North Carolina's election process, but Doc Democrats came up slightly short, although suspiciously close. 
This brings us to the court, the Supreme Court. Notice a pattern here. There never seems to be a problem of federalism in Article Three standing when lower federal courts want to shred existing state law in order to benefit Democrats. Somehow the Supreme Court rarely reverses these opinions before elections. Then when we seek redress for the fallout that was largely enabled over the last 10 years, and during this particular election, from the federal judiciary's foray into state powers in the first place, we're told the Supreme Court wants to stay out. As we speak, a federal judge in Georgia is considering whether to add 200,000 voters to the Georgia voter rolls prior to the runoff. This isn't about Trump. It's not even about future elections. This is about a fundamentally rigged federal judiciary and political system. That is one rule of engagement that's consistent. Heads the Democrats win, tails the people lose. There's your damn courts and your damn Supreme Court. Of course, they're not political, ladies and gentlemen. No, 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 no. They don't want to get involved. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Isn't it amazing? Where are the calls for a special counsel? I've called for a special counsel to investigate Hunter Biden, James Biden, the entire Biden family, including Joe Biden. I'm sure the Democrats and the media support this. They don't. Before I go on, I want to thank all of you folks and our wonderful affiliates. I want to give you... a a little bit of information. As you know, we're the third largest national radio show in America, and we have a massive audience really right up there. And for a show that airs in this time slot, that is unprecedented throughout radio history. And it's thanks to you. And I do my best every day to make sure it's worth it to you. You know, Rush taught me something a long time ago. Respect your audience, embrace your audience, love your audience, and they will do the same to you. That's why we all love Rush. We all love Sean. And I want to thank you for your incredible support. So let me show you what's been going on here. We have recent radio affiliates include WBENAM Buffalo, New York, WHOLAM Allentown, Pennsylvania, WNTQ-FM, Lebanon, New Hampshire. WTIB-AM, New Orleans, Louisiana. KXEN-AM, St. Louis, Missouri. WJFN-AM, Richmond, Virginia. Now new Metro affiliates, which will start right after the first of the year, give or take. WSYR-AM-FM, Syracuse, New York. WLLI-AM, Jackson, Tennessee, as well as WZ. G-Y-F-M, Jackson, Tennessee. W-L-B-Y, Ann Arbor, Michigan. W-B-S-M, New Bedford, Massachusetts. W-O-S-H, A-M, Appleton, Oshkosh. Now here are stations that are moving us up to a better time. W-B-T-A-M and F-M in uh, North Carolina. W-H-A-M, Rochester, New York. 
KCMO, Kansas City, Missouri. WREC, Memphis, Tennessee. KFLD, Pasco, Idaho. KFAQ, Tulsa, Oklahoma. This show, thanks to you, is killing it. I call it Radio Free America now for a reason. Our affiliate list is growing significantly. Our times are getting better and better. Our listenership on the podcast is through the roof. Through our apps, online listening, streaming, through the roof. Satellite, we don't know the numbers, but we're told we're doing extraordinarily well. Millions and millions and millions of you. I want to thank you. And I promise you, as we get through this horrendous year, this horrific year, we're not giving up. Radio Free America, we're going to fight. The mission stays the same. And I want to make this clear so Media Matters, Mediaite, and all the other reprobates and left-wing kooks, unhinged morons, pick it up. From where I sit, Joe Biden deserves exactly what they gave to Donald Trump times 10. Joe Biden is an illegitimate president. The United States Supreme Court and the courts under the United States Supreme Court have all but destroyed our electoral system. We must fight back. And that begins in Georgia. The counter-counter-revolution to the counter-revolution begins in Georgia. Early voting began today. And I want my fellow Levinites, fellow conservatives and constitutionalists to turn out en masse and put down this counter-revolution with our own counter-counter-revolution. And tomorrow will begin in Georgia. Those of you who don't live in Georgia, that would be most of you who are listening, you can help. If you live near Georgia, they can use your, your labor. If you don't live near Georgia, they can use your money. There are things we can do. I God, there's 75 million of us. Legitimately, I might add. Legitimately. I want you to listen to Joe Scarborough. You know, in the old days, media groups used to police themselves because they weren't owned by massive major international corporations that have sold out to China and the Democrat Party. Joe Scarborough wouldn't be allowed anywhere near a microphone. He's a mentally ill, unhinged partisan. And that's just the beginning. The constant references to the Third Reich and Hitler by Joe Scarborough suggest to me he's a bigot. I've said this over and over again as a Jew, and so many of the men who fought in World War II, Jew or non-Jew, they know what I'm talking about. This constant use of Hitler, of the Third Reich, when referring to the president or the president's supporters and so forth, is so disrespectful to those who died in the Holocaust, it's, it is beyond my, my ability to explain. What Hitler did to Jews, what Hitler did to prisoners of war, is unspeakable. 
and for Joe Scarborough and MSNBC to allow this guy to just throw these phrases out like this because he's trying to make clever points is simply unacceptable. And I would encourage the shareholders at Comcast that owns this outrageous, phony MSNBC to start challenging the executives there because it's the only way to stop this. It's one thing to have a political debate. But this is enough. Joe Scarborough should be given the hook. He shouldn't be anywhere near a television. Cut seven today. Go. You really should have read the Constitution and a little bit of history before you got into office. I heard you had Mein Kampf by your bedside. I think your wife said that you had Mein Kampf. Ex-wife said you had Mein Kampf by your bedside. Uh, should have been the Constitution. Right. Should have been. It should have been a little bit of history, and you would understand that Supreme Court justice. This is a man who's dumber than a doorknob. He doesn't know a damn thing about the Supreme Court. Supreme Court president. He knows nothing. Another slip and fall, ambulance chasing Florida lawyer, who weaselled his way into office and now has weaselled his way into the media. If there wasn't an MSNBC or alternatively a CNN, he'd be nowhere on television. Nowhere. He's a carnival barker. He knows nothing about the Constitution. He's an idiot. And so's the dummy that sits next to him. Now I want to remind you, thanks to our friends at Newsbusters, how the media had a completely different take in December 2016 when Donald Trump legitimately and overwhelmingly defeated Hillary Rotten Clinton with a huge Electoral College victory. Cut eight from December 9, 2016. ABC's John Carl and George Stephanopoulos. Go. You saw Hillary Clinton back in the spotlight. Let's take a look at something she said. The epidemic of malicious fake news and false propaganda that flooded social media over the past year. It's now clear that so-called fake news can have real-world consequences. This isn't about politics or partisanship. Lives are at risk. Interesting choice there. She's not going away. Uh, absolutely not. You know, after that contentious 2000 campaign, which Al Gore won the popular vote and basically disappeared after the election, that is not going to be the case, I don't believe, with Hillary Clinton. She won a big popular vote victory. Her people will tell you she got more votes for president than any white male in American history. I do not think she is going away. Any white male in American history? Are these people sick? And again... This narrative on the popular vote, the popular vote, the popular vote, they turn out enormous numbers, legal and illegal, out of metropolitan areas. And then they say, see, we won the popular vote. But that's not our Constitution. This is exactly what Daniel Horowitz is talking about. This is exactly what I wrote about in Men in Black, my first book. They move back and forth. Talking about what the Constitution says, and we must uphold it, and then... Defying the Constitution, like the federal courts, interfering repeatedly in state decisions, except not interfering when it comes to upholding Article 2. And the Supreme Court sits there. These justices just sit there. Like they're holier than thou. They're used to, oh, Mr. Justice, yes. Oh, Your Honor, yes. 
And the party's in front of them. They're scared to death. They interrupt them. They browbeat them. It's like philosophy class at some university. Now, Joe Biden, rather than blaming communist China for our virus, he blames the president of the United States. Rather than blaming communist China for the deaths in this country, because he's bought and paid for by the communists, and so is his whole damn family. He attacks our president. But Joe Biden made a promise on June 11, 2019. He made a promise. After half a century in Washington, D.C., doing nothing but self-peddling, self-aggrandizement, he said this, cut nine, go. But when it happens to you, you know. That's why I've uh, worked so hard in my career to make sure that uh, I promise you, uh, if I'm elected president, you're going to see the single most important thing that changes in America is we're going to cure cancer. Uh, you think I'm... Cure cancer? Well, what he means is come up with a cure for cancer. That's what he said, June 2019. Both my parents died from cancer. Even my beautiful little Barney died from cancer. Joe Biden says he's going to cure cancer. His phrase, I'm going to cure cancer. So I'm going to keep an eye on this. I'm going to keep an eye on this. When the President of the United States said, we're going to come up with a vaccine in record time to kill this virus, he did exactly that. Now I'll hold Joe Biden to his promise. And it's beyond cynical to make a statement like this if he's not going to come through. Because of the people who are suffering from cancer, the people who have suffered from cancer, and the God knows how many millions who've died from cancer. Unbelievable. We shall see the progress he and Fauci and the others make. I'll be right back. Lovin. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, one day only sale. Wouldn't you rather just work with a company who puts you on a pedestal every day? That's what you get with Pure Talk, a veteran-run wireless company that understands what it means to serve. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Now, if you're with them, you're overpaying pure and simple. Pure Talk can easily save you over $400 a year. Unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. What a novelty, a company that actually puts their customers first. You can keep your phone and your number or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Just go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N, LEVINPODCAST, Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. These experts really aren't experts, are they? The ones that were all over television doing the dance that the liberal media wanted them to do, telling you that Trump was lying or that they were cutting corners on getting vaccines or they could never do it fast enough, that there wouldn't be enough and so forth and so They have been lying and wrong every step of the way. One of them is Fauci. 
Fauci said it could take 12 months, could take 18 months, could go into 2022. Fauci was not involved in getting the vaccine. But he's an expert on anything. Just ask him. Just ask him. And he will not be scrutinized. He's on the front pages of magazines with uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Where the hell is Kamala Harris, by the way? Where is she? Does anybody know where she is? No, nobody does. Anyway, U.S. expects to have immunized 100 million people against COVID-19 by the end of March, says the gentleman who works for the president and is running the Operation Warp Speed, Chief Advisor Dr. Monsef Slawi. 100 million. 100 million against the COVID-19. Some people simply don't need it. Like little kids and people who just had it and got through it. So you can circle back. Another 50, so he says, uh, they hope to have about 40 million doses of vaccine distributed by the end of December. The end of December. The end of December. Another 50 million to 80 million distributed in January. The same number distributed in February. For a total of 100 million or more in the early part of the second quarter of the year. And as a result of that, we should have what's called this herd immunity that we've talked about. And this was all done under the presidency of Donald Trump. This is an unbelievable accomplishment for a country. Unbelievable. Now, we know that the so-called experts got it all wrong. They got it all wrong. Because our friends at the Blaze, at Newsbusters and elsewhere, they kept track of this. NBC News ran a fact check on Trump's claim, citing experts to say a vaccine was still 12 to 18 months away unless a medical miracle happened. Bloomberg News questioned if Trump's vaccine aspirations amounted to an impossible dream. Business Insider reported in April that a vaccine against the coronavirus might be impossible to produce regardless of timeline. NPR made sure to note that the president was contradicting the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in September. ABC News similarly reported Trump's vaccine promise stood in contrast to what his own team of experts said. CNBC noted that Trump's promise, which he repeated during the final presidential debate, was issued despite contrary evidence. Trump was right. And Pfizer and Moderna waited until after the election to announce that they had a vaccine that was 95% effective. Unbelievable how the media lie about life and death issues in order to try and defeat Trump. And unbelievable that these two corporations that receive billions in support by, from Trump would wait until after the election. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks, 
that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Mark Levin says today... What the backbenchers will repeat tomorrow. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. So Joe Biden's giving a speech about democracy. 306 electoral college votes, he says he got. He won by 7 million. System works, he says. System works. After his lawyers went into state after state after state to change the system. What he means is the system that was fixed. I don't mean reformed, I mean crooked. From a constitutional perspective, it works. What he means is when the Supreme Court fails to uphold the Constitution, the system works. Works. Democracy works, he says. We're not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. Here's a man who could never get the nomination of his party. Gets 81 million votes. Really? Oh yeah, the system works. After the federal district courts and the circuit courts, the fourth circuit, the ninth circuit, other circuits, have prevented states from strengthening their electoral systems, to prevent fraud, to clean their electoral rolls, and so forth and so on, And then the Supreme Court sits back with its members picking their noses and thinking very righteous thoughts about themselves. The system works. Folks, if the same system that existed in 2016 was the same system in place in 2020, we'd have nothing to complain about. Nothing. We'd have nothing to complain about. But they changed the system. Judges change the system. Governors change the system in violation of our federal constitution. The system that used to exist doesn't exist anymore. So, I say this. If Biden wants to compare his 306 electoral college votes to Trump's, he should receive the same welcome, I guess we would call it, that Donald Trump did. Don't you think, Mr. Producer? The problem is the Republicans on Capitol Hill are sort of National Review Republicans. May I use that phrase? It's what they are. Not the good old Bill Buckley. It's just National Review Republicans. Romney Republicans pretty much what they are the Democrats man they fight to win they want their party to be superior to the country and everything else the Republicans don't view things that way I think as Joe Biden speaks and of course I'm not going to listen to another word he has to say because I don't care I don't care what his staffer wrote for him it doesn't matter to me what Joe Biden will not speak about 
is his corruption and the corruption of his family and their ties to communist China. We have more information on that. A number of news outlets. Let's see, the Daily Caller. Hunter Biden called his father and Chinese business partner office mates in September 27 email. That's 2017, actually. Hunter Biden sent an email, writes Chuck Ross and Andrew Kerr, to the manager of his Washington, D.C. office building in September 2017, asking her to make keys for his quote-unquote office mates, Joe Biden and Gang Wendang, who he said was the emissary for the chairman of the Chinese energy conglomerate, CEFC. Keep that in mind, CEFC, which is a communist Chinese state front energy company, okay? Hunter Biden's dealings with CEFC in 2017 were at the center of Tony Bobolinsky's October allegation that Joe Biden was plainly familiar, quote-unquote, with his family's Chinese business dealings. Multiple news outlets have reported this week that a federal investigation into Hunter Biden's tax affairs is focused on his foreign business activities, including this Communist Front Energy Company. So he called his father and his Chinese business partner, office mates, three years ago. He wanted keys made for the new office mates, quote-unquote. And Hunter Biden wrote in the email before listing Joe Biden, his stepmother, Dr. Jill Biden. She's not a Ph.D., okay? Let's get that straight. That's why people are saying, why should we call Oh, you must be against women. No, actually, I love women. My daughter, my wife, my mother-in-law, women. All around me. Most of them smarter than me. All of them better looking. No, I love women. Unlike Joe Biden, I don't go around putting my nose in the hair of strange women and giving them massages. That's called molestation, but we'll leave that up to now uh, Andrew Cuomo. Anyway, uh, she's not a PhD. She wants to be called Docker, so I'll call her Docker. D-O-C-K. Dash E-R. Docker. Hunter Biden also requested an assign be made for his office stating, quote, the Biden Foundation, unquote, and, quote, Hudson West, unquote, CEFCUS. In other words, this communist Chinese front group, the American outlet <coughs> or office. Hunter Biden's dealings with CEFC in 2017 were at the center of allegations from his ex-business partner, Tony Bobolinsky who said in October that Joe Biden was plainly familiar with his family's business dealings in China. Bobolinsky was one of the recipients of the much-publicized May 2017 email referencing Joe Biden as the big guy would hold 10% in a joint venture with Hunter Biden and CEFC. By the way, I guarantee you every major network is carrying Joe Biden's comments now. That would be the same networks that would not cover Donald Trump's comments. We live in a country where we do not have a free media. I wrote about this over 18 months ago on Unfreedom of the Press. Lied it, uh, laid it out, hook, line, and sinker. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. And they are the enemy of the people. The president was exactly right. Hunter Biden's request to Cecilia Browning to create office keys for his office mates, Joe Biden, Doc heard Jill Biden, Jim Biden, the Biden crime family, and Gangwin Dang. Of the famous Dangs, Mr. Producer. 
Hunter Biden revealed this week that he'd been notified, and you know the rest. Cecilia Browning, the general manager of the office building, the House of Sweden, responded to Hunter Biden's request saying she was, quote, very excited and honored to welcome your new colleagues. The email's right here. I've got a copy of it. Right here. Cecilia Browning's response to Hunter Biden to create office keys for his office mates, Joe and Doc Her Jill and Jim Biden. Browning declined to comment on the emails when reached by phone. She didn't dispute the authenticity, of course, of the email. How can How can they? So Joe Biden's there blubbering on about the Electoral College and how he's the greatest thing since sliced bread as he mumbles through his speech. Media Matters, remember them? The Soros front group that hates America? Somehow they have a tax-exempt classification from the Internal Revenue Service when they are clearly an arm of the Democrat Party. They're the propaganda wing. Joe Scarborough might call them, you know, like the Third Reich, right, Joe? Right, Joey? Jeffrey Ingersoll, the editor-in-chief of the Daily Caller, called out self-identified progressive media watchdogs, Media Matters, most conclusive way on Twitter. Jeffrey Ingersoll said, yeah, you can't make this crap up. Media Matters is turning itself inside out to paint a country with no concentration camps. Uh, excuse me, with, uh, as a victim of GOP fear-mongering. In other words, a country with concentration camps is a victim of GOP fear-mongering. So in other words, Media Matters is signing with a genocidal, mass-murdering regime and attacking the Republicans as fear-mongering. He says, for people who aren't idiots conducting apologetics ops for congressmen caught in a web of truly abhorrent regime, it's very clear that China is recruiting at universities. Their efforts are well-documented. It isn't necessary to fear-monger about a country like China. And, of course, he's correct. Literally, the second autofill on Google is arrested because... No, I can't get into that. Too many curse words. I've come to the conclusion that not only do we need a special counsel to investigate the Biden crime family, including Joe, we need a commission. A commission to look into China's influence throughout our society and culture. One place, nobody in government, maybe somebody who, or people who've been in government, none of the appeasers, nobody who's had any substantive relationship with the Chinese regime, we need to look into that. And then we need a second commission to look into this election from beginning to end, including the role of the courts, including the role of the courts. What state courts and federal courts have done to our election system in various states, even the Supreme Court, and I don't mean to taint it or its independence, we'll leave that to Schumer and the Democrats. What I mean is to see and go through the processes that they used when filings were made to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is not beyond reproach. If reforms need to be made, they need to be made, and by that I don't mean packing the court. By that I mean, for instance, potentially term limits. All of these entities are supposed to belong to you and me. And they have created a grave disservice here 
especially the United States Supreme Court. And the lower courts are running wild. The governors are running wild. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 doesn't even exist anymore. Doesn't even exist anymore. But we need to know what happened in this election. Number two, we need to know what's going on with the communist Chinese in our country. They're all over the place in terms of their influence uh, from the regime. And number three, we need a special counsel. If there was a special counsel for Donald Trump and Russia collusion, when there was no, no criminal predicate, when the regulations were violated by the Department of Justice to make such an appointment, how can you not appoint a special counsel here? And it must be appointed now, or there'll never be one. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, one day only sale. Wouldn't you rather just work with a company who puts you on a pedestal every day? That's what you get with Pure Talk, a veteran-run wireless company that understands what it means to serve. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Now, if you're with them, you're overpaying pure and simple. Pure Talk can easily save you over $400 a year. Unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage... They don't charge you for it. What a novelty. A company that actually puts their customers first. You can keep your phone and your number or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Just go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N, LEVINPODCAST, USA. Simply Smarter Wireless. Please listen very, very closely. Joe Biden had absolutely nothing to do with the development of this vaccine, with the manufacturing of this vaccine, and the distribution of this vaccine. Absolutely nothing. Nancy Pelosi and Charles Schumer did everything they could to undermine the effort. You had governors like Cuomo that did everything they could to politicize the effort. You had Kamala Harris who politicized the effort. Banana Republic politicians out there were saying that the President of the United States was cutting corners. The President of the United States didn't actually develop the vaccine. He created the conditions where the vaccine could be developed in record time. And now they're saying that the processes that were used in the vaccine, in this case, is so cutting edge that it is a process that can be and will be used in the future to address other significant maladies. In fact, they're talking about applying it to now cancer. Now and down the road. Unbelievable. You know, I remember the 1976 Republican convention. Ford spoke and then Reagan spoke. And I believe Ford had about 110 more delegates than Reagan. Reagan almost defeated a sitting president in the Republican primary. And after he spoke, many of the delegates said, my God, we nominated the wrong man. 
Despite the media propaganda, I think it's only a matter of time where some of the people who did vote for Biden are going to say, my God, I voted for the wrong guy. It's too bad the rest of us have to suffer through it. It's funny, the Democrats are upset about secession. What do you think sanctuary cities are? They're a form of secession. That's what sanctuary cities are. We're not going to comply with what the federal government tells us. What do you think Black Lives Matter and Antifa are fighting for? The destruction of our society, a form of secession. There's never been a more important time to protect your internet activity from prying eyes. That's why I urge you to get ExpressVPN. Very, very important to protect your confidentiality and your privacy. Particularly from Facebook. Particularly from Twitter. Particularly from the Communist Chinese. And I suspect the incoming administration. Assuming it's incoming. So the Democrats, and I've talked about this for years with their sanctuary cities, believe in nullification. And the Democrats in California, were they not talking about secession, Mr. Producer, just a few years ago? That's what they were talking about. It was their party that gathered up a bunch of states and seceded, or tried to. It's just very, very interesting. If they hate this country so much, and they hate conservatives and Republicans, and they hate hardworking people, so much so they want to take away their vote via the Electoral College. Why do they care what we do? Or where are they going to get their money to redistribute? Who's going to feed them? Who's going to transport the food? Who's going to do all these things that come out of states? That come out of states, mostly red states, may I say. Yes, I think I will. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker. Somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building. We've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know, they're forecasting starting late tomorrow where I am. 8 to 12 inches of snow, for God's sakes. What the hell am I doing here, Mr. Producer? You know, it's one thing when you're a kid. It's a snow day. Every day is a snow day now, thanks to the teachers' unions, quite frankly. But nothing comes good of snow unless your business is built around it, you know. Mine isn't. From 2019, our brothers and sisters at Newsbusters, Rumpozal's outstanding organization, listen very, very carefully how they defend Hunter Biden. Montage from 2019, cut 15, go. I just want to deal in fact, because there is so much speculation out there, and there is zero evidence that Hunter Biden... By the way, her name is Poppy. Does anybody take seriously any woman who's named Poppy? I can see a grandfather named Poppy, Mr. Producer, you know, but a young woman? 
I, I can see no evidence whatsoever. Now, these are, you understand, these are supposedly reporters and journalists. Nobody's handing them evidence, you see. And yet, people were handing them evidence about Hunter Biden. They didn't want it. So, it's like the, the, the blind mice. Here you go. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Oh, no. Nah, I don't see any evidence whatsoever. No evidence. There's nothing here. And by the way, in the morning schmo today, the idiot, his, his sidekick, I forget the idiot's name, but there's so many of them. There's no evidence whatsoever that they're investigating anything related to the laptop and the hard drive. Now, we don't know exactly what they're investigating, but a source tells me it's not that. Folks, when you have a federal grand jury investigating uh, foreign connections and tax fraud and securities fraud and so forth, they're not going to ignore the hard drive. But this is MSNBC in the morning schmo who likes to reference the Third Reich anytime he can. Which makes me wonder about this guy, Scarborough. Is Scarborough German, by the way? Not, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just starting to wonder. He's starting to... Maybe the homeland language. I'm starting to hear it out of his mouth. Anyway, go ahead. Anything wrong here? We should note, again, you, you and I have said this in the air many times, there is no evidence that Joe Biden was... You no, know, Jim Schuto used to work for Biden. Look, there's no, there's no evidence here. I don't know what evidence Joe Biden knew anything. No, he used to work with Biden. Go ahead. Of course, I want to note that there is no evidence that Joe Biden or Hunter Biden has done anything wrong. I just want to reiterate. And let's be clear for the viewers. There is no evidence Biden did anything wrong. I'll note again because it's important. There is no, I repeat, no. There is no evidence that either Biden did anything illegal. There's been no evidence. There was no evidence. There's no evidence. There is no evidence. There is not an iota of evidence. No, no evidence, evidence Biden, Biden did, did anything, anything wrong. wrong. There's really no evidence that Joe Biden did anything wrong. Nobody's ever accused uh, that, I mean, there's no evidence whatsoever that Joe Biden did anything wrong. Got that? Joe Biden did nothing wrong. Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. Mr. Producer, make sure you go back and get that Scarborough and add him to the uh, special list, would you? Now we have a montage from 2020. Oh, yeah, well, there's this Hunter Biden story, but it's the Russians. The Russians did it. Cut 16, go. Biden secret emails. A really fishy story. The Post claimed that the emails were found on a laptop computer that was brought to a repair shop in Delaware in the spring of 2019. The FBI is now investigating whether those alleged Hunter Biden emails are actually connected to a larger foreign intelligence operation. They may be related to a foreign intelligence operation. Foreign intelligence operation. Foreign intelligence. Foreign intelligence. Foreign intelligence operation. For all we know, these emails are made up. The information found on the laptop may be part of a Russian disinformation campaign. Part of a Russian uh, disinformation uh, effort. Described by many intelligence experts as having hallmarks. All the hallmark, hallmarks, rather. All the hallmarks of a Russian. Or Russian. Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation. Disinformation campaign. This is a classic example of the right-wing media machine. Don't drag the intelligence community into this. Hunter Biden's laptop is not part of some Russian disinformation campaign. The intelligence community doesn't believe that uh, because there's no intelligence that supports that that's john ratcliffe who i have great admiration for we've tried to get him on my uh, sunday show but we couldn't even get through we asked the white house because we had no direct contact and it fell on deaf ears we wanted to get ratcliffe on the uh, sunday show but we got another rick rennell he'll be on the sunday show he's terrific and michael pillsbury we'll have both of them i'll be interviewing them there are no better. 
Now, this Sunday, I had our friend Peter Schweizer on, Life, Liberty, and Levin exclusively. He was actually the first to interview Tony Bobulinski for four and a half hours. And he was really the first to break the Biden story and the Biden family corruption story. And not just with Hunter Biden and James Biden and Frank Biden. You know, it's like the whole uh, Colombo family here. Um, but Joe Biden. And he deserves awards up the wazoo because he's a real investigative reporter. But this is a part of what was discussed on Sunday for those of you who, who, couldn't, who couldn't watch. Cut 17, go. Now it turns out that Hunter Biden has been under criminal investigation for two years. Somehow that information was never revealed to the public, certainly not prior to the election. And in fact, it, everybody was waved off. You don't have evidence. This is a last minute hit job by the Trump campaign. It's Russian information. They're leaking it in. They get 50 former national security advisors, almost all of whom backed Biden. I'd like to know how that letter came to be, by the way. So the campaign covered this up. Joe Biden still plays rope-a-dope. The media, which is in the back pocket of the left in the Democrat Party, attacked anybody who came forward or was absolutely silent. First of all, have you ever seen a scandal like this that was so carefully protected by the media and by the campaign obviously working together? No, I haven't, Mark. Uh, and in fact, I was, I was looking back through history at how, you know, sort of previous scandals emerged or where you had situations where political candidates uh, lied uh, to the media about things and how they reacted. And I went back to uh, 1984. Uh, you remember there was a guy named Gary Hart that was running for president and there were allegations about, you know, his relationships with other women. And he flat out told the media uh, it's not true. It's not true. Well, the reporters knew that they were li- that he was lying. Uh, so they followed him and they caught him. What you have is a situation today where the Bidens have repeatedly lied to the media and the media doesn't care. They don't want to catch them in the lies. They don't want to pursue the lies. You know, look at look at Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden goes on national television on ABC News and said, I have not received a single penny from the Chinese. Well, we now know, of course, that he got you know, close to five million dollars from CEFC, a Chinese government connected energy company. Uh, we know he had a big equity stake uh, in that private equity firm, that a billion and a half dollar private equity firm. We know there were other transactions involving Rosemont Realty and uh, Rosemont Opportunities Fund, too. So he was flat out lying to the national media. Um, what's been the media's response? Nothing. Uh, They've taken it. They've accepted it. In fact, they not only covered it up, you know, Ben Smith of The New York Times ran a piece uh, right before the election bragging about the fact that the gatekeepers, uh, which, of course, include The Times and other publications, uh, had effectively killed this story and how proud they were of it. So we're in a situation today, Mark, where a grand jury was impaneled in 2018 Um, to look into Hunter Biden and his foreign dealings. It has a counterintelligence component. It has a tax fraud component. It has a public corruption component. This has been going on for two years, and nobody in the national media took it upon themselves to actually pursue that story. Uh, It's a massive disservice to the American public. We need a vibrant media that's, you know, 
following all of our national leaders and holding them into account. Uh, and we don't have that. We have a national media that wants to protect certain powerful figures and wants to go after other public figures. And it's a national tragedy. It is a tragedy. And it's even worse. The media were used to get out the Biden side and to attack anybody who didn't support. I mean, really, the great hero here, in addition to Tony Bobolinsky, but the great hero here is Rudy Giuliani. He's the great hero here. Look what they tried to do to him. Poor guy is still suffering from his, uh, the virus. As I understand it, I haven't spoken to him, but he came forward. He had the guts, and they tried to ruin him. And the truth is, I did the first exclusive, full interview with Rudy Giuliani on television to lay out what Rudy Giuliani had seen, what he provided to the New York Post, and what was provided to his office and him by the original computer repairman, um, who's another hero. Who's another hero? You know, they have their whistleblowers. And the media made sure they wouldn't even release the guy's name. We got it from others like Real Clear Politics and so forth. But the media covers it up, covers up everything. These people come forward. They want the media to question them. They want to go on these various shows. How many shows has Tony Bobolinsky been on? One or two to the best I know. Pretty damn outrageous. One more from last night's great uh, Peter Schweizer on Life, Liberty, and Levin. And I hope you're watching it. If not, you can DVR, of course. Because these guests are really good. Cut 19, go. So Hunter Biden's been under investigation by a federal grand jury for tax fraud and securities fraud involving three countries, China, Ukraine, and Romania. Uh, Joe Biden's brother is under criminal investigation by the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Western District of Pennsylvania, having something to do with a, a hospital that is there. Um, there are other activities of other Biden family members uh, in which you write about, in which they again use uh, Joe Biden's name in order to enrich themselves. How is it conceivable that Joe Biden is the only person in the family that doesn't know what's going on? This man, he runs for president of the United States. On the one hand, he's very specific about his policies. But on the other hand, when it comes to his own family, the crookedness, and even allegations that he made an enormous amount of money uh, from Bobolinsky, he, uh, he, he, he plays the role of Helen Keller. He doesn't see anything. He doesn't hear anything. He's absolutely <laughs> mute. Why are we to believe this? Yeah, it's, it's, it's completely inconceivable that Joe Biden's not aware of this. Uh, part of it is the Biden family talks about it all the time. And there's lots of evidence. It's a very close-knit family. They communicate all the time. Uh, they travel together everywhere. They're aware of each other's affairs. Uh, so that by itself denies it. But beyond that, we have the direct testimony of Tony Bobolinsky himself, uh, who was brought in uh, by the Biden family to do these deals with CEFC, the Chinese company. And, and Bobolinsky met with Joe Biden. Joe Biden was going to be cut in on some of these deals. Um, so uh, there's no way they cannot have it both ways. Say that we're, we're, we're this tight knit family. We're very close. We talk about everything together. We experience all these things together. But on the other hand, we know nothing about each other's business affairs. And we don't know that family members are under FBI investigation. It's, it's patently absurd, Mark. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to move on, but 
Just so you know, I mentioned that we tried to get John Radcliffe on the show. For some reason, that didn't work out. We've tried repeatedly, haven't we, Mr. Producer, to get Purdue on the program, one of the candidates running in Georgia? He's never available, including on my TV show. So I want to wish him well. I want him to win very much, not because of him, but because of his opponent. Uh, but we have had uh, Leffler on the program. She's been uh, very forthcoming. And uh, we're being as supportive of her as well as we possibly can, because we want both of those candidates to win. But I think Purdue is not helping himself uh, by playing it safe. Now's not the time to play it safe. Kelly Leffler, on the other hand, is foot down on the gas pedal, and she's flying. Just to inform you all. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Did you know your family can save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk from Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile? Think about it. What could your family do with an extra $800? You don't even have to sacrifice coverage. Pure Talk has exactly the same coverage, same bars as one of the big carriers, but they charge you half. You definitely don't have to sacrifice customer service. Their team is based right here in the U.S. and are some of the nicest people you'll ever talk to. So don't wait anymore. Get unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. No, not even a penny. So go to puretalkusa.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll also save 50% off your first month. Folks, this is the best. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Raphael Warnock wants to be a senator from the state of Georgia. And back in 2013, his list of anti-Semitic activities and friends is, is just endless. He gave a speech in which he said, Louis Farrakhan, the Nation of Islam, was important. Georgia Democratic Senate candidate, this is Fox News, Reverend Raphael Warnock, Referred to the Nation of Islam as an important voice for African Americans during a 2013 speech, which was comparing the black power religion's numbers to mainline Protestantism. Warnock made the comments in response to an audience member who asked the Reverend to discuss the Nation of Islam's relationship to Christian churches and whether the black church is having the same attendance problems with mainstream white churches and synagogues. Warnock, who's been the senior pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, I wonder if Martin Luther King would approve of this guy. I don't think so. Since 2005, and is running to unseat Senator Kelly Leffler, said the Nation of Islam is significant, but its numbers don't come close to Christian churches. Its voice has been important for the development of black theology. I don't know what black theology is. It was the black Muslims who challenged black preachers and said, you're promulgating the white man's religion. That's a slave religion. You're telling people to focus on heaven. Meanwhile, they're catching hell. Again, I don't think you'd ever hear words like that from Martin Luther King Jr. The Reverend said the Nation of Islam was necessary to put a fire under black preachers and keep them honest about the message coming from their pulpits. The Nation of Islam is an African-American political and religious group founded in Detroit in 1930 by Wallace Fard Muhammad became a formidable political force over the next several decades to the leadership of Elijah Muhammad, 
his most high-profile disciple, Malcolm X. The nation preached a message of black empowerment, became one of the wealthiest African-American organizations in the United States. By the way, it also supported segregation of a different kind. The nation's message of black empowerment has been overshadowed by some of its more bizarre theological teachings that holds that Jews are satanic, prohibits race mixing. For more than 40 years, the nation has been led by Louis Farrakhan, who has stoked endless controversy for his incendiary comments, particularly his attacks on Jews, whom he has referred to as satanic and termites. Fox News reached out to Warnock's press office, but did not hear back by the time of publication. Tell me, what is it with these local news people during that debate? Remember that debate the other week? Don't they have access to this information? Just notice how careful the media are in dealing with Democrats. Very, very careful. Linda Sassour, anti-Semite. Ilhan Omar, anti-Semite. Rashida Tlaib. Anti-Semite start in a Raphael Warnock Votathon event. Wow. He knows how to attract him, doesn't he? Democrat Raphael Warnock was already struggling to beat back allegations of anti-Semitism. This from the Washington Times. And then Linda Sarsour and representatives Ilian Omar, Rashida Tlaib, jumped into the, Senate's, the Georgia Senate election picture. The Georgia chapter, the Council on American Islamic Relations Care, That's another front group for the Muslim Brotherhood and Hamas. You know, Mr. Bridges, I've always been waiting for these people to sue me, you know? How many times have I said that? You know what discovery would do in civil court? My God, I'd finally get to the bottom of this. They plan to hold Sunday evening a virtual vote-a-thon aimed at encouraging Georgia Muslims to vote on January 5. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. America's most powerful conservative voice. The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now. 877-381-3811. I'm not a conspiracy nut. In other words, I'm not a Democrat. I think somebody has sabotaged my computer, Mr. Producer. I really do. Maybe it was Fang Fang. I don't know. Let me continue where I was briefly. The Washington Times, this Raphael Warnock, who, you know, my father was a small businessman. Yeah, but you're a commie anti-Semite. We're not, we're not voting for your father. We're voting on whether you should be a United States senator, pal. 
and clearly you should not. So he brings in this, uh, who's raising money for him, Linda Sarsour, Ilhan Omar, and Rashida Tlaib, all of whom are well-known anti-Semites. They all support the boycott, sanctions, divestment movement. He's backed by this group CARE, which is a well-known Jew-hating, Israel-hating organization. Martaza Kwaja, if that is his or her name, CARE Georgia Legal and Policy Director, countered that the virtual gathering co-sponsored by the Georgia Muslim Voter Project is aimed at getting out the vote and not endorsing any political candidate. See, this is how they get around the tax laws. No, 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 you don't understand. We're not taking sides between, say, Kelly Leffler and Raphael Warnock. No, no, we're playing it right down the middle. They're liars. But don't take them to court, you know. I don't know. Can't resolve things in court only if you're a leftist. Then only you can resolve things in court if you're a leftist. That's it. Bill Gates... Does anybody know why we care what Bill Gates has to say? Anybody? Anybody know why we care? Who cares? Anybody? Well, Bill Gates wants to tell you how to live. And he's a lib. He can afford to be a lib, of course. And this is from Breitbart.com. Microsoft founder and philanthropist Bill Gates said Sunday on CNN's State of the Union, a.k.a. State of Confusion, that it could be 18 months before the coronavirus pandemic will not impact Americans' daily life. How does he know anything? How does he know anything? Why is he on TV? He's a fool. Anchor Jake Tapper, speaking of fools, when do you think life will fully return to what we thought of as as normal back in general? No masks, no social distancing. No other protective measures necessary, just condoms. I mean, whatever. You can imagine the talk there at CNN. Gates said, like we care, but I want to make a point. Certainly by the summer, we will be way closer to normal than we are now. And thanks to what and whom, Mr. Gates? But even through early 2022, unless we help other countries get rid of this disease... And we get high vaccination rates in our country. The risk of reintroduction will be there. And, of course, the global economy will be slowed down, which hurts America economically in a pretty dramatic way. So we will have, starting in the summer, about nine months, where a few things like big public gatherings will still be restricted. But we can see now that somewhere between 12 and 18 months, we have a chance, if we manage it well, to get back to normal. Uh, Mr. Gates? Yes, Mark? Tell me, how have you suffered economically during the pandemic? The little guys all over the country have suffered. The waiters, the small business people, certainly restaurateurs. Everybody, really, except those who are attached to government, teachers union and so forth. But those people in the private sector, those people, they've all been hurt. How have you been hurt, Mr. Gates? You haven't been hurt in the least. So shut the hell up. Nobody cares what you have to say except the idiot Jake Tapper who sits there with that constipated look on his face and then starts lecturing everybody about all the Republicans and the Republicans and the Republicans. Jake, why don't you admit to your audience, all 17 of them, you're a left-wing kook Democrat. You grew up as a left-wing kook Democrat in Abington, Pennsylvania, the township next to mine. Why don't you admit that you were a spokesmouth, a mouthpiece for handgun control, Inc.? 
You work for Marjorie Mezvinsky, whatever the hell her name was, another left-wing Democrat from Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. I know who you are, fake Jake. Why don't you admit it? Why are you there on a news channel anyway, you jerk? No, 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 you don't understand. The Republicans that signed on to that lawsuit, what a disgrace. You would think they're Antifa or BLM. How much coverage did they give to Antifa or BLM? Here we have 100,000 more or less. People show up again peacefully, peacefully, in support of the president, questioning what took place on Election Day and thereafter. And again, as they're breaking up, Antifa, a mob, starts to pick off the weakest among them. You can barely look at it. You go to the blades, you see five of these hoodlums beating up one guy. You see them picking on the elderly and people with little kids. Jake's not worried about that. No, Jakey's not worried about that. Those are his people. The paramilitary wing of the Democrat Party. What did Joe Biden have to say about that today? Nothing. What did the idiot Scarborough have to say about that today? Nothing. He's fixated with Mein Kampf. This has to be put down. This has to be put down. This Antifa crowd has to be rounded up. Round them up. Round them up. Yes, round them up. It's a Marxist anarchist organization, just like Black Lives Matter, by the way, and all the people that supported that. Well, Mr. Producer, since my computer isn't working, I need your assistance. To whom shall I speak? Who's the first caller, please? Yes. On XM Satellite, Bruce, in the state of Michigan, where unfortunately you live under the uh, iron fist of... Uh, a very fascistic governor. How are you, sir? I'm doing Bruce. wonderful. Enjoy your format and presentation, sir. Thank you. Can what you is my me? format anyway? I don't even know. But anyway, go right ahead. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaker, forever hold yourself. What is the process? All right. Just wondering, what is the process that we, the people, can do to impeach, depose our wonderful Supreme Court justices? You don't have any power as people to impeach the, pre- the Supreme Court. We're... Uh, there's nothing in the Constitution that empowers people to impeach anybody. Well, Sorry to tell you that. Man. Last time I checked, they worked for us. Well, what do you want to do about it? Let us, let's get them all out. Apparently, we don't need them. No, 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 no. What do you want to do about it? I get this all the time. Yeah, we ought to have a... We ought to do that. We ought to... People can throw out anything they want. I just want to hear how we do these things. Well, first off, they're not representing the law, as I have come to know it. Uh, granted, I'm not no, an they attorney, have not. but uh, it's, quite, it's quite common sense, and I think Thomas... Sir, sir right. in order to impeach somebody, it's the same with the president. The House of Representatives, which we do not control, has to vote by a majority. Then two-thirds of the senators have to vote to remove. We do not have a majority in the House, and we're not going to have two-thirds in the, of the senators. So that's not going to happen. All right. I appreciate your honesty and for pointing that out again. Here's what I think is going to happen. Would you be interested in this? And it's too bad. It's going to get much, much worse before it gets better, if it gets better. We are surrounded by too many stupid people. We just are. And uh, when it affects them directly... When inflation goes through the roof, 
when they lose their jobs, not only Republicans lose their jobs and some Democrats, when they see the iron fist of the health care system they seek to impose on us and over and over and over again, maybe that will awaken them. Right now, they escape to red states and destroy the red states. Look, my Virginia 10 years ago was Republican. In the election of George H.W. Bush, my county was 66% for George H.W. Bush, who was really a very poor candidate. It won 61%, at least theoretically, for Joe Biden this time. Why? Because people in Maryland and D.C. escaped the hell that they created, and now they create a hell over here. They move into these, I call these people locusts. They move into these red states, they go from California to Texas, and they vote like Democrats. It's, it's, it's really astonishing when you think about it. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. I shall return. Lovin. Did you know your family can save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk from Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile? Think about it. What could your family do with an extra $800? You don't even have to sacrifice coverage. Pure Talk has exactly the same coverage, same bars as one of the big carriers, but they charge you half. You definitely don't have to sacrifice customer service. Their team is based right here in the U.S. and are some of the nicest people you'll ever talk to. So don't wait anymore. Get unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. No, not even a penny. So go to puretalkusa.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N podcast. And when you do, you'll also save 50% off your first month. Folks, this is the best. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Rich Fairfield, California, not too far from San Francisco, the great KSFO, San Francisco, whose politicians and public officials have been targeted by the communist Chinese, I might add. Rich, go right ahead, my friend. Yes, Mark, thank you. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Yes, um, thank you, sir. And, and take care of yourself, because we're going to need you more than ever now going forward. So, so take care of yourself. Um, oh, thank you. I appreciate so, that. Going, yeah, um, going forward. You know, that's what I want to talk about. Um, yes. We... You know, this this president, um, he stood strong for us for four years and was just he took everything. They they, they abused him. They abused his family um, and, and us, in the, in, you know, in turn. And so people are always saying, well, what can we do to help this president? And we've got to stick with him. Um, yep. We we can't. You know, you got Grandpa Joe saying, well, it's time to heal and to unite, you know. Um, mm-hmm. basically, you know, you know, as well as I do, what that means is surrender yep. and we can't do it. We're not nope. going to do it. Um, do they, they ever they do it? this nation apart? Do they ever, you know, here's the thing. And you make a great point, Rich. We don't try to control them, tell them how to live their lives, try to destroy electoral systems or constitutional systems. We try to defend our circle of liberty. We try to defend our Republic. We don't try to do anything to these people. And now they need to be crushed. They need to be crushed politically, obviously, but they need to be crushed. Otherwise, they will crush us. That's it's, it's that simple. Exactly. Yeah. And so. And by the way, they, if you notice, this is now turning into, if Biden gets in there, Obama's third term, that he's 
He's taking all these Obama retreads, and he's bringing them into the, or he would bring them into his administration. So this, this is Obama's third term, Obama's invisible hands behind the whole thing. Hardcore radicals, neo-Marxists, that's what's taking place. And the media want you to, to think because they pretend, look, it's Joe bringing all these moderates in. Obama's people weren't moderates. They were nuts. Yeah, and, and it's the same thing. Joe will be out there in front of the media smiling and, you know, telling his fibs where... Cringing. He's always back- cringing. Have you noticed that? I don't know what that's all about. Oh, my gosh. If you put a little green paint on his face, he's the Grinch. Yeah, um, you're not kidding. But he'll be out front. He'll be the front man. The media will be salivating over him. But behind the curtain, the Obamaites will be tearing this place apart. They'll be mm. doing the same thing they did. You know, back when Obama was smiling and his minions were back there just shredding the Constitution. So we can't do it. When they say, you know, it's time to heal, time to unite, you know, in the words of the, I'll quote, Honorable Maisie Hirono, hell no. We're no, not hell no. And uh, no, oh, Biden needs to be impeached, doesn't he? Isn't that what the Democrats would say? You know, he, he comes into office, should he? And therefore, he needs to be impeached. He needs to be spied on. Uh, There needs to be leaks. We need to go after his kids. We need to do everything. Oh, wait a minute. That was Trump. That's what they did to Trump. And this idiot Jake Tapper and his ilk, getting orders from from daddy Jeff Motherzucker. There they are, destroying their reputations on TV every single night, destroying their industry, and they could care less. They didn't build up this industry. The titans of media are long gone. Now we're left with the uh, the diaper boys and girls. Yeah, that it, it's you know it's not going to be pretty, but we owe it to this man. We owe it to him for what he stood for over the last four years and how he stood for us. That everybody out there that that loves this country and respects the Constitution um, has to stand up and and don't fold. Don't be a Romney. Don't All right, put up my that friend. White don't flag. be a Romney. You ain't kidding. Thank you, my friend. Great call, Rich. Thank you. And I read the letter from the Attorney General earlier in the program. And Bill Barr, I told you before, I may disagree with some of you, I think he was a tremendous Attorney General. And that was a really classy letter. He didn't do a Bolton or a Mattis or a Kelly. He didn't have to take this job. He did it because he wanted to help the country and help the President. I think he did. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And no, we're not rolling over on this show. And I'll see you tomorrow. God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.